who are full of themselves. Uh, and so humility comes in and is the vehicle that God is looking for where God's grace can come into life. And this is where it matters where we walk together as a body, uh, the body of Christ. I was talking with a dear brother this past week and he was talking about how he needed grace in his life and there was sin that was taken in. And I was able to share with him that, you know, brother, that grace can come to you, but it comes from humility. And humility comes from confessing your sins to a living, breathing person in front of you, flesh and blood, the body of Christ. And as we confess with one another, God's grace can enter in as we humble ourselves. God's grace is given to the humble while God resists those full of self. If you're tending to cover up your sin or double-mindedness, there will not be healing of your heart. Therefore, pursue resting in God's authority. Pursue that. To understand God is overall and His authority is the thing that matters the most. And so I'm going to rest in His authority in all these areas of my life. So let God's authority govern our desire to accumulate money. You see this in chapter 4 and chapter 5. And, and so sometimes it's going to lead us down roads that, uh, well, the world doesn't say is wise, but we've learned that wisdom is something else. Wisdom is the ability to see the beauty of God's authority in every circumstance. It is the ability to see beauty of God's authority in every circumstance. So as I, uh, you know, I visited Mr. Tom, and uh, it was hard to see someone dying. Uh, and it was just painful difficult dying is humiliating dying is painful dying is lonely and there's a part of me that says you know I I don't get it God but I'm going to trust your authority and I believe there's beauty I'm going to trust there's beauty in this and I'm I'm going to look to you I'm going to ask for you to give me direction how to deal and seeing this with someone that is loved that God still reigns now Because we are living under God's authority, he says there's to be patience with others. Patience with others demands wholehearted worship of Christ. To say that my whole heart belongs to him and what he says goes. And so I'm going to learn to be patient with others. Patient with others demands hearts strengthened by the nearness of the Lord. To believe that the Lord is at hand and is aware and sees and allows me to be Patient with others. Uh, Patience with others also demands uh, that the heart is strengthened by a perfect judge to know that God's judgment is at hand and his will will be done, his decrees will be set regardless of whether government uh, gets it right or not, whatever the local authorities are. God's authorities will reign and so that strengthens my heart. Patience with God, we talk about patience with others, patience with God demands a heart that is strengthened by God's purpose of compassion and mercy. As well, patience is empowered by a relationship with the Father. So that's kind of where we left off at verse 11. He goes into verse 12 where he talks about swearing. And basically the main point of verse 12 is to say, look, let your manner, your speech be that of always telling the truth. Why? Because God is at hand and your whole heart belongs to him. There's not a segment that you uh, separate to say, well, I'm going to get my own purposes. I'm going to serve my own image with this part of my heart. And then the other part, I'm going to serve God. No, wholehearted, every bit, 
is reflecting God's glory, not our image. So therefore, let our speech be that of truth-telling. He's not forbidding oaths that where we're in a court system uh, and you swear to tell the truth. It is to say, though, that we are always living by the truth. And so I just want to briefly go into that and spend most of our time looking into verse 13. Prayer. Here's what you see as we read into verse 13, 14 of James 5. Prayer is an expression of wholehearted worship of Christ. It is an expression of wholehearted worship. Uh, and so it is to say that as we go through our life, it is to have a Godward attitude in our day. And so he says, verse 13, well, if in your day you go through suffering, then a whole heart that worships God, devotes God, when they're suffering is going to look like prayer. They're going to start praying, asking God to help them in their suffering. But what if you're cheerful? What if things are going well in our life? And there's a lot of things to thank God for. Well, a God-word attitude, a wholehearted worship, looks like singing. Looks like giving thanks to God. You, you see that in verse 13. So whether you're suffering or whether you're going through cheerfulness, that the expression is the same, is to God. Whether it's prayer or praise, it is always Godward in a wholehearted lifestyle to the Lord. So let me just share with you. Prayer, above anything else, is about your heart. It is expressions of your heart. Well, listen, let me ask you, what language does God listen to when you pray? Well, it's English, <laughs> because that's how I'm praying. Well, what if you're not English, speaking English, right? There's others here, that's not their heart language. We're going to have a service come and meet in this room right afterwards. They're not going to be speaking English, uh, Spanish, you know. So what language does God listen to? It's very simple. He's listening to your heart. It doesn't matter what language it comes out he's looking for your heart so what does it mean that when we're praying and our heart's not there what does God hear he doesn't hear prayer because your heart's not saying anything so prayer our heart cries whether to sing because of what God has done or whether to cry out because of the suffering it is an expression of your heart and when you're double-minded your heart doesn't communicate consistently so we see in James 4 God doesn't listen to the prayer don't think that God will answer that prayer it is an expression of wholehearted worship of God whether it's singing and joy are crying out. We keep on reading. Is anyone among you sick? All right. Well, what does a whole heart for God do when you're sick? Well, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. So, Simple, I'm suffering, I'm sick, I'm going to talk to God about this. I'm going to humble myself by confessing my need. So I'm going to bring in the church, I'm going to bring in the body of Christ. And this is how I know and, and can feel the 
Christ at work, his body speaking and on my behalf and praying. And so I'm going to ask for the elders to come and let them pray over this one. So let me just share with you this. Prayer can provide physical healing. Prayer can provide physical healing. How else do you explain why verse 14 is there other than the fact that prayer can be the instrument that God uses to provide physical healing? And as such, it is appropriate, it is right when you're sick to call for the elders to come in and to do such a thing. And then it has this idea of anointing oil. Now, um, we do not have special holy oil in our church. I know you can buy that. I'm sure it's a pretty good penny, and someone's making some money. Because all it really is, is oil, and they put a label on it and said, hey, if you have some extra money, you can get this anointing oil. Uh, but now we have businesses nowadays where folks are selling oil, and they're doing it for medicinal reasons. I've tried it, used it. Uh, my sister is a big advocate of it, and so therefore I received some of this, and, and I, you know, it doesn't hurt, so I will use it. But you see in the Bible times that it was really used for medicinal values. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Uh, he was beat up, and Jesus tells the story of the, the Samaritan coming in. Uh, this guy was beat up, bloody, bruised, he had, had oil anointed on him. And so it was the common medicinal uh, value of the day. And so what James is saying here is that God can heal. He can heal whether without medicine or he can heal with medicine. Healing comes from God and he can use either option. So go ahead and let the physical uh, treatment be done and be applied and know that healing comes from God. I was talking with one of our uh, church members uh, recently and she was sharing a story of her husband that had gone through uh, is going through severe cancer, and the doctors had given him about five to six months to live. She shared with me that she called the pastor in at the time. That was the pastor here as well as some deacons, and they prayed over him. And she said, you know, I believe that God honored that prayer and honored the treatment that was being done, and he got five years through that time. I thought that's a great story to share, and it's an illustration of what can happen, and just know that prayer can be used by God for physical healing. So does that mean every prayer you pray will be answered? Well, let me just bring to you Jesus' prayer. Not all of his prayers were answered. Now you can't get more wholehearted than Jesus Christ. You can't get more righteous than Jesus Christ. You cannot get in more in favor with God the Father than God the Son. Yet in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays, Lord, if there is any way, let this cup pass over from me, but nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. And so uh, he did not get the cup passed. That was an unanswered prayer. So I'm just going to share with you that God reserves the right to say yes and no to any prayer that you pray. But let me just share that any no that God gives you is done, born out of love and wisdom for your life. I know it's tempted when mom and dad say no, we go sulk and pout. That's the natural reaction. And we'll do the same thing with God the Father. But understand that when God gives the no, it is done out of wisdom and love for us. So even when God says to God the Son, no, you will drink of this cup. It was done out of love and wisdom. So that the love of Father and Son could be multiplied and many sons could be restored to glory. 
there's just this sense that we sometimes develop that, well, prayer is about us being changed by God. Yes. But there still needs to be an honoring of the text that says prayer can accomplish much and can provide the source of healing. Pray. I'm going to ask Dr. Mike if you'll come and share. Dr. Mike, I've had him uh, speak at this church uh, over a year ago. Uh, and that time he was looking out for some severe cancer that was going on in his life. So Dr. Mike, will you come and just share briefly how God has been working in your life? Thank you very much. Well, it's great to be back here again today. I, it was a real pleasure to come about a year ago when Jared asked me. Um, some of you may remember, some maybe not. Um, I'm a physician uh, in Raleigh. And um, about three years ago, I, I began to have some pretty severe back pain and went to see my regular doctor. And we did x-rays, and I had a big, big mass in my spine. Um, Long story short, uh, it, it ended up being a very rare kind of cancer, large tumor in the um, lower part of my spine, um, a very deadly kind of cancer. Um, we went to see several docs, um, one of the best in North Carolina, supposedly, um, told me that um, it was not the quantity of years I had left, but he made sure I had quality years left because I was going to be dead by 2019. Um, and so that, that was quite, uh, you know, something to hear. And um, being a physician, you know, I, I could do a lot of research on this cancer, and it was pretty bleak. I mean, it was a, a fairly hopeless cancer. And so we, um, we made several trips. We went to Johns Hopkins, um, which is a big hospital up in Baltimore, best in the world with this kind of cancer, apparently. Saw the number one surgeon in the world for this kind of cancer, told nobody any better, supposedly. Um, and we went in and my wife and I sat and listened to what he said. He said the best he could do was surgery, but I'd be in a wheelchair the rest of my life, if that, um, if I made it through a, a, it was about a 30 hour operation, 16 hours one day, 14 hours the next, multiple blood transfusions, probably rehab would be at least a year, year and a half. Would I ever work again? Who knows? Um, so that was pretty bleak. I, I remember leaving Johns Hopkins. My wife and I couldn't even find the car. We were so, um, gosh, what's the word for it? Discobobulated, my mama would say, I guess. But we just couldn't think straight. Um, but, you know, we came home, and um, we said, you know, this is the extent of what man can do, but we're going to believe God, and we're going to just pray. <laughs> And we, um, we got a lot of people to pray for us. Um, we elicited prayer from everybody, um, our church, friends, family, um, everyone, our coworkers who were believers. Um, we found out about a trial um, that was going on in Baltimore, uh, excuse me, in Boston at Mass General. Um, with a specialized kind of radiation. And Tammy and I went up um, three years ago this summer. Um, actually, next week will be the anniversary of that, three years ago. I lived up there for two years, um, had daily radiation treatments with a specialized kind of radiation in a trial that they were doing through the National Institutes of Health. 
um, with high dose, a high dose of this radiation. Um, it, we went through it, got, got through the, the radiation. The aftermath was, uh, we had some difficulties, but God brought us through everything. Continued to have people pray for us. That was so key. And I can't, I can't express that enough. And, um, you know, this verse in James that Jared is, is talking about this morning, where it talks about, you know, the prayers of the, of the saints will heal the sick, was one of my verses that I really held on to when I was in Boston and, and after that too, knowing that the prayers of the saints would heal me and knowing that God could do that and knowing that, and I felt in my heart that God was going to do that. Um, you know, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much was another one that's right here in James that I, I held on to um, during that time, knowing that God heard prayer and knowing, you know, what J Jared said too, that God's love, it, it, God was doing this in love. I mean, he wasn't doing this because I was a bad person. He was allowing this for a reason. He was doing this in love. It was something he was going to make in my life better than it had been before through this cancer. And he was going to bring me out of it. So um, we had follow-up. Uh, we had to go every, every three to six months for, for MRIs of the spine. Um, and I, I started feeling better. Um, I started feeling better really about a year after the, the treatments and um, less pain. Um, I was still walking. I was still working. Um, I, I was not, you know, looking at, at a wheelchair just then, and I didn't believe I was going to be. Um, the pain started to get less and less. Um, we went back to Boston. Um, a couple of times, and each time we went, the, the doctor would say, you know, the tumor seems to be a little smaller, seems to be a little smaller. So that was so encouraging to hear that. Um, this past March, I had a follow-up, which would be two and a half years, a two and a half year follow-up. Um, and um, the doctors here in Raleigh did it and, and looked at it and said, you know, we don't really see any cancer at all now. We don't see anything. But we're not the specialists, you know, we're not the experts on this. We're going to send it to Boston and, and let your doctor up there look at it because we just, we're not sure about this. So um, sent it up to Boston. Um, the doctor called me and said, um, you know, Dr. Watson, she said, you know, we can't explain this. She said, we've never seen this before. <clears throat> she said, you know, we don't really see any sign of cancer at all. It, there's nothing there. And she said, I, I don't know if it's the new trial, I don't know if it's maybe some medicine you were taking, but we can't explain it. Um, in fact, I want to do a clinical, I want to do a study, uh, a, a publication on this because we've just never seen anything like it before. So I told her, I said, you know, I, I know, I know what happened, you know. I know it was the Lord and I know it was the prayers of all the saints that prayed for me. And God heard that, and I'm convinced that it turned God's hand to the healing that I had, and I'll be forever grateful, <clears throat> ultimately to God, but to all the saints that, that prayed for us and, and prayed for me during that time, because I know, I know in my heart that that made a difference, and I know that that turned God's attention, and I know that that was a big part of the healing that took place, whether 
with the prayers of the saints. And um, I'll be forever grateful about that. And I think I was telling Jared before the service, and I told other people, I think, I believe that the reason, one of the reasons God left me here was to share this message with, with everybody and let everybody know that prayer does make a difference. Don't ever think it doesn't. And don't ever think because your prayers aren't answered in a week, it doesn't mean they're not making a difference. Keep on and keep at it because they do make a difference. And they can make a, they can turn somebody's life around. And they can turn God's hand too to, to healing of that person. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Mike. I wanted y'all to hear that. He had shared with that with me maybe two months ago or so. Um, I thought, you need to come. Um, I'm preaching this on this date, and uh, I want the church who has heard your story before to hear the answer to prayer. Prayer can provide physical healing. But I know keenly there are some that heard Dr. Mike before when he was here before, and they're not here now. They've passed on because of cancer. All that to say, God has the right to say yes or no. But don't say no for God. Appeal. Pray. He has invited us to do that. But let's keep on reading. Provide, prayer can provide spiritual healing. He connects the physical sickness with spiritualness. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Let me just say that it's not just the one who is sick, their faith. It's the one praying for them, their faith. Lazarus had no faith whatsoever when he was dead in the tomb. And Jesus called him forward through prayer. Sometimes there is movements in churches where they put this guilt on you. Because you're going through sick, therefore you must be a sinner. You've got you to get right. And there is a point, and we're going to look at that. But when you examine yourself and ask God to speak to your heart and share your sin, if you confess your sin, sometimes there is a sickness that is there for the glory of God that Jesus himself shared in the case of Lazarus. But then Jesus also said there is sickness that is there because of sin. You remember the story of uh, the paralytic man that the friends came and lowered him through the roof. It was so crowded they tore up that roof and lowered him in. And when Jesus saw him, he said to him, sir, your sins are forgiven. And everyone got up in an uproar about that. Who can forgive sins but God himself? So Jesus said, well, which, which is easier? For me to say to them, get up your bed and walk, or your sins are forgiven. In other words, they both require God to do. And so that you may know that I have power to forgive sins. Also, get up the bed, take up your bed and walk. The point he brought to in the heart is that when he looked at this man, he knew that the perilous that, that was going on in his life was contributed to sin in his life. So there is a possibility that sin can be uh, a cause, a part of sickness, and sin can also be revealed by sickness. Sometimes it could be a cause for sickness. Sometimes it's revealed by sickness. And sometimes it has nothing to do with it at all. And it's for the glory of God. Those are the three options that often are given to us. But notice what he says. Verse 15, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, 
Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And so what he's saying here is that it's right and proper for the church body to be praying with one another, not just the elders. There should be, and listen, by the way, if you want the elders to pray for you and come to your house, just contact us and we will do exactly that. We will come and pray with you. But not only is it relegated to just the elders, that you see here that it's a body thing that we all do, 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 do with one another. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So there is a spiritual root as well. And so when we are sick, one of the things we ask ourselves is, God, is there something going on in my heart that I need to confess to you that this sin is a part of? Be willing to ask that question. I remember when in high school when I first damaged my knee and I was running track and I was getting, starting to get excited about what was going on. And there was a point where after I was laying up uh, ready for knee surgery, I was asking God and it was as if God was just impressing in my heart that my heart was starting to go toward things that were not worth it. And there was a point for me to examine that my life wasn't going to be about sports. It was going to be about something else. And then, I think, remember last year uh, when I had the flu, and I tried to be coherent with my thoughts, and all I could say was, God, help me. Because that was about as much as I could get together in my brain. I was just so sapped. But nonetheless, there was this still consciousness that when sick, ask God to examine your heart. And it could very well be that there is a sin that is a cause of it. And there are some people that have real sickness, real things impacting them. It could be nerve damage, brain. It could be any number of issues that the doctors, when they look at it, like, I don't know what's wrong with you, but they know something's wrong. And I would just challenge that in those cases, it is especially important to examine and ask God to speak to our hearts. Open up our eyes. There's some things that we may be blind to that is causing some of these conditions. When you read the scripture, you have verses like John chapter 9. Someone sees someone blind. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. All that to say, go through the checklist when you're sick. And the first place you start off with, God, is there something going on in my heart and life that you're trying to get my attention by this sickness? Maybe it's causing it. Maybe it needs to be revealed. After you examine your heart, ask God to do that. If there is nothing coming your way, then you say, well, God... Let this be for your glory still. And help me to remain under your authority and see the beauty of your authority in the midst of all this. Give me wisdom to do this. Now, we keep on reading. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And it gives the example of Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and earth bore its fruit. Here's this man, like nature. You read his story, you realize he got depressed. 
He got angry, upset, frustrated, sad, tired. You read him and you realize, that's like me. And that's the point. Yet, he prayed and it didn't rain for every year. And then he prayed and it did rain. God heard his prayer. The point of it being James saying, prayer accomplishes much when prayed by a righteous person. And that's the trick now, isn't it? The righteous man's prayer avails much. We already saw in James 4, the double-minded prayer accomplishes nothing. The wholehearted prayer accomplishes much. The problem is, who here is righteous? Now, God has declared us righteous. But to have a whole heart under the authority of Jesus Christ is a process that the Spirit of God is working in our life. And there is something to the fact that the more righteous, the more effective the prayer. But I have a bit of good news in the midst of this that may seem pretty depressing. There is one who is wholly righteous. Who is perfect in his righteousness. And that is none other than Jesus Christ. God in flesh. And let me just share with you the good news of what that means. Romans chapter 8 says this. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is Christ who died, who has risen, yea, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, whoever makes intercession for us. Jesus is praying for us. You remember when he's talking to Peter, he warned him of Peter, and he says, Peter, watch out and pray because Satan wants to sift you. But when you fall, you will return. And when you return, encourage your brothers and sisters. And what was the confidence that Jesus' knowledge of Peter's return? Because, because I am praying for you. Listen, every single one of you who are in Jesus Christ, you are in Jesus Christ because Christ, the Savior, is praying, interceding for you and he is praying that God's spirit would reign he is praying that his authority would be established he is praying that our heart will be wholehearted under Jesus Christ and that is why the most miserable person ever is the one who is in Jesus Christ yet rebelling against the authority why they're so miserable they are miserable because Jesus Christ is praying the spirit of God in their life for conviction and misery until they repent and turn the one who is content and their rebellion against God gives sign, gives evidence that they are not being prayed for by Jesus Christ, that they are not in Christ. Which takes you to the next point of bringing people back to him. Prayer can provide power and wholehearted living it is as the generator of our life and so let me ask you if God would only work in your life through prayer would anything be done because you're praying I would argue with you that everything you've seen God do in your life could very well be the product of prayer that's why we are praying in our church throughout this day God, work in us. 
Work through us. Let his name be known. Allow us opportunity to proclaim his word that God's power could be released. And the children in Nightdale, those that come, that God's power is released through prayer and through the proclamation of his word. Let's let these two reign through our church life. That's how he works. Some interesting things said about prayer. George Herbert wrote a poem about prayer. Prayer is the church's banquet. It is the angel's age. Not that you can read that. God's breath and man returning to his birth. The soul in paraphrase. Heart in pilgrimage. The Christian plummet sounding heaven and earth. Engine against the Almighty. The sinner's tower, reversed thunder, Christ's side-piercing spear. The six days world transposing in an hour, a kind of tune which all things hear and fear. Softness and peace and joy and love and bliss, exalted manna, gladness of the best, heaven and ordinary, man well-dressed, the Milky Way, the bird of paradise, Church bells beyond the stars heard, the soul's blood, the land of spices, something understood. John Christosom, preacher in the early church, said this about prayer. He had a sermon in which he said, The potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions. It has expelled demons. It has broken the chains of death. It has assuaged diseases. It has rescued cities from destruction. It has stopped the sun in its course. It has arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. All these things you see answered by prayer in the Bible. And it is for us something too many times left on a shelf. Finding maybe irrelevant friends prayer is our communication with god and it heals our heart it heals our words and if there's very little prayer there's very little power of god in our life the good news is jesus is praying for you let's pray